It's a little more Polish soul for you. Thanks to uh, Vance Music Director De- Debbie Podalski Briding for uh, continuing to bring us creative and exciting music on Sunday mornings. And for rocking a piano. The uh, Newer Testament lesson today comes from Matthew in the 21st verse, starting at, or 21st chapter, starting at the 23rd verse. And it sounds like this. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say it's from heaven, he will say to us, why did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Now which of the two did the will of the father? And they said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, and even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. And then we turn today, continuing in our Older Testament Hebrew Bible uh, examination, to the book of Exodus. Remember that last week we heard about Moses asking God for manna and quail for the people so they had food to eat. And in that text, God also commands people to keep the Sabbath. So when they were collecting uh, manna, they had to collect a double portion on Saturday, essentially, so that they wouldn't have to work on Sunday and there would be enough for them on the Sabbath. Today, we find the people thirsty in the 17th chapter of Exodus, starting at the first verse. This is how the story goes. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages As the Lord commanded, they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. 
And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? And Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and the water will come out from it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. New obsession. I am very much enjoying watching and binge watching the television show Shark Tank. Do you know how this goes? There are five gajillionaires, essentially, who listen to young and emerging entrepreneurs pitch ideas about their companies and their products and if the pitch goes well enough and if the company and the product seems lucrative enough potentially then the gajillionaire will make the person an offer for a certain amount of money they get an equity stake in the business or a certain royalty on the product and see it's win-win for everybody The entrepreneur gets what they want to carry their business on, and the gajillionaire gets more gajillions. The the way that the thing is set up is that the people come in and they make presentations to the sharks, and the presentations have a format. See, they always go like this. Here's the problem. Here's the need that emerges from the problem. And here's the solution we've come up with. The problem is, I spill my french fries when I drive my car. And I can't put ketchup on them. I need something to hold my french fries and my ketchup. Some doofus, for 99 cents, creates a product that you can stick in the air vent of your car that will both hold your french fries and your ketchup container all at once. La la. It's this big. It costs two cents to make. He's selling it for 99 cents. And the guy's becoming a gajillionaire. It's like, you know, when I used to work at Toys R Us and I'd see all these really stupid toys and I'd think, why didn't I invent that? Why didn't I invent that? 
Today we hear a story that very well could be the same as a Shark Tank pitch. There's a problem. The people are thirsty. There's a need for water. And they at first think the solution is to whine and moan, to complain. Apparently later they think that a better solution would be to kill Moses because it's all his fault. They scapegoat and blame. Ultimately, Moses turns to God who solves the problem. You know, we're thirsty, we need water, give us water. Voila! God does what the people ask. And this very easily could be a story like last week's story where we talk about the goodness and the miraculous nature of God. Voila! I think I'll go sit down now. Oh, but wait. That's not the way at least Moses interprets this story. Because at the end of last week's story, it says, And God gave them manna, and they feasted for 40 years. At the end of today's story, it says, and I quote, Moses called the place whining and moaning because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Very, very different take on what could seem like the same thing. The Israelites' problem, you see, is that they think God is just utilitarian. Do you know that word, utilitarian? Utilitarian means useful. And that's different in a little way from the philosophy of utilitarianism because, see, utilitarianism says we do the most good for the most people and that's what's morally right. Utilitarian means that they see God in a certain way. And the way these people see God is that God is useful. That might seem right to you. But I want you to look a little closer at why it really isn't. The people want to know where is God? The reason the people want to know where God is is because they think that God is just a thing to be used. And if they can't use God for their own purposes, then God must be useless. Not with them. Where is God? I have a problem. I have a need. 
I should be able to use God for the solution to my need. And if I can't, then obviously God is not here. In his book, Great Mysteries, Father Andrew Greeley puts it like this, Life is filled with so many senseless events. Mindless tragedies fill our newspaper every day. And by the way, if you're listening to the news, it's getting worse. We can acknowledge that. Airplane crashes, the murder of innocent children, insane terrorism, natural disasters. We could add viruses. Somebody said to me the other day, I'm gonna, I want to watch the national news. I said, why? Well, I want to know what's going on. I said, you know what? Let me tell you. There's a virus. Somebody hates the president. Somebody loves the president. Now you're caught up. They didn't watch the news that night. Greeley goes on to say, And much of our own lives seem without purpose or meaning. Like a rainstorm on a picnic day, a bad cold when we're having a party, a handicapped child, the early death of a parent or spouse, a broken marriage, a car that won't start in the morning, a wrong number in the middle of the night, the treason of friends, the envy of neighbors. We are often left to wonder why such things happen. Is there any point and purpose behind them? Are we alone in a universe that cares anything about us? Is the Lord with us or not? The question of the thirsty Israelites does not just remain in the Old Testament text. It's a question we all ask personally. We must remember that the Israelites have come across the Red Sea. It is early in their 40 years of wandering. So they have recent vivid memories of the miraculous presence of God who saves them through the plagues and rescues them from Pharaoh's army by closing the waters of the Red Sea in upon them. They have seen a pillar of fire which has led them and received manna and quail to fill their bellies. So these Israelites have all experienced God firsthand, even in the darkest of circumstances. As the great preacher Peter Gomes says, they have evidence, but what they want is personal satisfaction. I'm thirsty, I'm lonely, I'm broke, I'm hurt, I'm sick. What will you do about God? Are you with us or not? Wilderness then becomes... Not a geographical place, but a state of mind and spirit for anyone who attempts faith. We should stop and consider 
our own faith here. If we are truthful, our own faith is often about what we want God to do for us. How can we use God? How can God conform to our needs, our necessities? How can God work on our timetable? And beyond that, we often measure God's faithfulness in terms of God's ability to deliver the goods. God is faithful and present when we get what we want. Like the Israelites, we often don't stop long enough to consider what God has done in the past or consider the evidence that surrounds us of God's current and active presence. This is one of the reasons that we come together and worship together because when I can't remember what my God has done for me, I can remember what God has done for the community and you can remind me what God has done for you. Here's the thing. When we think about where is God, we must remember that God is not utilitarian. God is not just there for our use. God is not a genie in a bottle that we can rub with prayer just when we need a wish or two to come true. No, remember the catechism. What is the chief end of human beings? To love God and enjoy God forever. God created human beings to worship, to praise, to appreciate. God did not create us just to get stuff from Him. God is not like the divorcee, amusement park Saturday afternoon dad who showers his kids with gifts and stuff they want and fills their body with cotton candy and rides them on roller coasters until they get a green apple bellyache when they go home. No, God is like the prodigal father who runs to the child in need of love and support and grace. Because that child so deeply knows and loves the Father 
that the very heart of that father beats in them as well. There's this great scene in a movie called Hotel Rwanda. Hotel Rwanda is a movie like many that you see um, where there's a hero in a tragic national situation or international situation who's trying to save a particular bunch of people. Schindler's List is an example of that for the Holocaust. This one was in the Civil War, happens in the Civil War in Rwanda. John Don Cheatham plays the administrator of the hotel. And he takes refugees in, up to 1,200 of them, into the hotel, and they live there at the edge of the Civil War, not really knowing what will happen to them, but believing hope against hope. Because they know who God is, that God will provide. Now, in real life, this man was a tremendous person of faith, Christian. In the movie, there's never any mention of that. The only thing you see that gives you any inkling that there's faith involved in this is that his wife wears a large gold cross. And there's this lovely scene toward the end of the movie where they're lying in one room of the hotel which they have commandeered for themselves as a family and he and she are in bed and he's rubbing the cross. As they lie in bed and hope against hope, not that they can use God, but they know who God is and they rely on God being the God that God has been in the past, one of grace and mercy, who cares for the poor and the oppressed. You could, I suppose, look at that clip in the film and see that man as one who is rubbing that cross like we might rub a genie's lamp. God, give me what I want and give me it now. You're good for it. Or you can look at that scene and see it as one who is clinging to every moment of the past when the Christian community has known that God is one who will show up, who will care, who will take care, who will love, even if we can't hold on to that hope at that moment. In many ways, this text is the flip side of what we heard last week. Last week, we heard, God is miraculous, hooray! In this text, we hear, where is God? Oh, my. 
In both texts, the answer is the same. God is present with us, working for our good. Not just for our sakes, but for God's own sake. Thanks be to God. Amen.